0: All right, well, good morning. Welcome to Stable to Fellowship Church. Uh, my name is Jimmy Smith. I'm the executive pastor here. And you, if you're new here, I haven't been here for a month. Uh, so I'd love to meet you if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. And uh, we've been out on our summer mission projects. We've had uh, two, as uh, Ryan was mentioning. Uh, we partnered with our missionaries, Crick and Mindy Poyer in Estonia, and Dan and Melinda Nelson and uh, Mexico, uh, both just fabulous couples, and uh, you know, we have some dollars that come out of our budget to go support uh, missionaries and missions projects around the world, and we really just have some quality people uh, that are serving uh, with us in these countries, and, and it's just always a, a great blessing to be with them, see what they're doing, uh, see how God's moving in their lives, uh, experience the ministry that they're, that they're doing, and just to feel their hearts and to feel uh, the compassion that they have for the places that they are and for us to be an encouragement to them. That's that's one of our plans and our strategies as we partner with missionaries is that we want to be in their lives through short-term projects and because and they deserve to be connected to the churches here. And, and we want to be more than a church that just sends a check. And, and there's, there's needs for the resources. We, we get that. But we also want to be a church that partners with them in, in very special and specific ways. And so uh, we hope that they uh, enjoyed our time with them. I know we did. And uh, so we had a team that went to Estonia, and uh, there were five of us. And the, the main purpose of, of this um, uh, this mission trip was. We had uh, a main project was a, a, what's called a sailing camp, um, and it's a non-Christian camp, and it's, it's a, a very unique experience for us when we get to be a part of this camp. Uh, our missionary, Crick, has been working at this camp for uh, six plus years, and uh, the reason it's important is because a lot of these kids that come to this camp, and when I say camp. Um, lower your expectations <laughs> of the facilities and things like that uh, it's pretty raw um, and these kids come for like three four weeks and camp on the side of a lake um, with not a lot of facilities um, no facilities um, <laughs> um, you know there's not like a you know a kitchen where you can go get things all day long and you know there's a mess tent and you show up and you bring your bowl and if you don't have your bowl you, you don't eat you got to take your bowl and then you got to wash it and When I say wash it, I mean it's like a three-bucket process. All I'm saying is it's just kind of a primitive experience. Uh, But these kids come, and they love it. They're having a good time learning about sailing. This camp has been going on for like 54 years. Uh, The gentleman that's been running it uh, has been doing it for a long time. And he received Christ uh, several years ago and really... Uh, got to know Crick and has, has been able to bring Crick in the, and with these American teams to kind of help re-energize the camp, do some fun things that the kids don't always get to experience. Um, we bring the mystique of the foreigners, that kind of thing. And uh, it's just because by the end of three weeks, you've sailed once, you've, you know, sailed, you know, and so it, it's, it's kind of getting old hat at that time. So we come in, we bring some new vision and, and some games and some fun stuff, some crafts, things like that. And we do all that to build relationships with these kids. Um, because a lot of them are from the city where the church is at that Crick ministers in, which is called uh, Tartu. And for the past, oh, I don't know, six years or so, Crick has been working and building and investing in this group of people. And uh, we really felt this year, uh, out of all the years that, that Crick's been doing this and that we've been a part of it, that the inroads really began to open up. And we had a lot of these kids that began to – Ezra was there last year, you understand. A lot of these kids were beginning to open up, and we were able to reconnect with them back in Tartu even after the camp through some various experiences that we had there. And so uh, if, if you recall, Crick has been a part of the church called Kolkata which has been established there for many, many years. Um, the church that they have been planting out of Kolkata is called Telk, and they launched in September and one of the things and plans that Crick has had for the future is to build a, a new youth group within this uh, new uh, church plant that's being established called TELC. We got names and email addresses of every kid that was at the camp. Uh, we made some connections with them back in Tartu during that time. And, and Crick's really going to use this group of kids to kind of focus in and reach into to help build a new uh, youth group for these kids at, at, at TELC. And so there's some really amazing things happening there. Um, and and. Being that it's a non-Christian camp, it's just so much different. I mean, if you've ever been to church camp, it's like every 15 minutes or something about God in front of your face, and that's good. Uh, When you're at at sailing camp, it's not like that. You're really having to to make the effort and and be a part of it. We really felt like God was redirecting our plans and the things we had attempted to do while we were there to help uh, build these relationships. And so we're very excited about what he's doing at that. There were some seeds planted, and we feel that there's some really great things that are going to happen as a result of that. There were other things that were part of the trip. We helped with the to family camp. Uh, so we helped with a lot of kids uh, during that one. Uh, we built some relationships with a lot of great connections while we were in Tartu. Um, a lot of seed planting, a lot of seed watering, um, and to see things that are going to be happening there. A uh, two-week trip, we spent a lot of time in tents, uh, nine, nights in, nine nights, eight or nine nights in tents, it all runs together now. Um, and we had a great team that was there, and you're going to hear from uh, one of them this morning, or a couple of them this morning. Get back. Three days later, turn around and head to Guadalajara with a team of 10. And uh, the Guadalajara trip is very different than the Estonia trip. Um, obviously, you're in different countries. Um, but the the Guadalajara trip is really scheduled and really like hit the ground, start working, stop working when you leave. I mean, it's just one day after another, lots and lots of stuff going on. Interesting thing is, is last year our team went there and ministered with uh, the church in Ponset Lawn. Uh, for a few days, and there was a pastor there that Dan has been working with named Mario, and they've been working on launching a church in Ponset Lawn for many years. And it's been a small group of people. They've been meeting in the carport of his home. Dan said, you know, maybe 15 people or so will be at the at the services, <clears throat> plus kids. And so kind of a small plant that was going. Last year, Mario really got energized and has been very excited about moving forward with this, this plant. So we were able to come in this year and do what we do with our, our children's Bible school programs that we do in uh, Guadalajara. We, we do, used to do it in uh, El Hell and now we brought it down to Ponset Lawn. And we spent five days there in the afternoons working with kids uh, that were age four up through uh, you know, 12, 13 years of age. Uh, we ended up having, um, I think, around 230 kids registered for the camp. I think our biggest day was 170 or something like that. <clears throat> so we had lots and lots of kids, broke them up into four groups, and we would rotate them through the lesson, the craft, the game time, and snack and just have a lot of fun uh, and just communicate the best we could. Uh, lots of pointing, lots of charades, you know, those kind of things, um, and doing the best we can to to minister to them. Uh, there were other churches that partnered with Poncelon as well, Factor Fay which is a church in Guadalajara, sponsored as well. There was another church that uh, Mario has come close to the pastor on that brought a team down that helped out. So we had lots of great help, lots of great impact. The other beneficial thing about our team being there is that Mario had just landed onto a new uh, building that they were able to rent for a really good price uh, so that they could start holding church services there and having some some permanency with what they do. Um, carports are nice for churches, but, you know, they have their limitations, right? So it's right around the corner from his house, and he had just locked in on this within the last couple of weeks. And so as we were able to come, we were able to just do the home makeover for this place. And uh, Mario used those terms uh, many times as, as we got in there. Uh, you'll see on the video we did a lot of painting. Uh, there was a backyard that had grass about this tall And had to take care of that. Piles of rocks. You know, just a lot of hard labor stuff moving around. Uh, A lot of the ladies spent time on the floor cleaning off paint, uh, getting the bathrooms ready, the bathroom ready. Um, It's a small facility, but a lot of work needed to be done uh, just to get it ready and going. And a little church like that just does not have the resources for that. And so our team, through your giving and through their support raising, we bring the resources that we need to help with these projects. So we were able to to pay for all the paint, pay for the, the rented weed whacker. We were able to, to pay for We bought them 50 chairs, which they would have never been able to purchase. Uh, we bought them tables. We, we bought them the little things that they needed to kind of help make this place a home and uh, get them set up. And so we were watching through that all week, and then they had their inaugural service in that facility. After we left uh, on Sunday. but uh, So we were able to work with them all through the week. A lot of these kids that we connected with uh, through the camp, we are hoping that, uh, you know, Mario's going to be able do a follow up. He's got all the, you know, there's a registration. So he's got addresses and names and phone numbers and can start going through town and going back to these families, let them know what's going on with La Roca. That's the name of the church La Roca, the rock. And uh, so we're excited to see how God's going to continue to move in that as well. All right. So I'm going to have Stephanie and Walt and Jackie uh, come on up to the stage. And uh, I've asked them just to share a little bit about their experience. Um, when we go on these trips, um, I try to tell people that we go to help and to serve and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, um, but we also go because I want God to, to mess you up and to just change the way you think, change the way you pray, <laughs> uh, change the way you participate in church, uh, change the way you think about the world. And so um, there's always something that God does, does in our hearts Um, during these times. So, Steph, you'll come over this way a little bit. Uh, Steph was on our Estonia team and Steph's been a part of several of our teams over the past, first trip to Estonia. And so, since you're standing next to me, you get the mic first. Uh, So, Steph, here, let's hear some of your story.
1: Thanks, well, um, if you've listened to these Sharing Sundays after mission trips before, um, you know that they can get a little emotional, so I'm just going to warn you, I was already tearing up during the video. (laughs) Um, but I'm so grateful that I got to go. Um, to me, it was just such a, a peaceful, wonderful time there. Every day felt really vibrant, and it felt like a gift from God, a tender gift from God. Um, but Jimmy asked us to share kind of a moment or, or something that we felt that God was was saying to us, and I so I had one moment. Um, it actually was more like a seed, I think, and I think it's a seed that's still growing me. Sorry, okay, I'm not going to cry. Um, <laughs> there was an afternoon there. I think we had been preparing some activities for a, a youth event at Kolkata, which is, again, the, the church there. We really got to enjoy a lot of um, deep fellowship with the people of Kolkata. but there was one afternoon that we were at the church building, and we, we said, okay, let's take a little rest. We've been working hard, so we took about 20 minutes, and I went in the sanctuary there, And it's kind of a traditional church building, an organ, et cetera. And I just sat in there. It was very peaceful and quiet. And there was a a cross at the front of the sanctuary, a beautiful Estonian design. Their design is is so gorgeous, very clean lines, um, but kind of an intricate pattern inlaid in that. And behind it was shining a a, a light um, through this cross with its intricate design. And there were words on it. And it was pretty easy to figure out the first two. It was uh, Jesus Christ in Estonian. Uh, but then there were some words underneath it, and the pastor happened to come in, and I said, Pastor Lehu, w- what do those words mean underneath Jesus Christ? And he said, it means <laughs> it means the only hope of the world. And so, you know, I th- I didn't think it would be this emotional. So, again, that was just kind of a seed that was planted, and I've been thinking about it. I've been ruminating on it. And this is kind of what it means to me. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of darkness in this world, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. You know, you can go through something in your life, and you can feel like, It can be tempting to feel like there's really no way out of this. There's no hope. Maybe it's broken relationships, and you just don't see a way to fix it. You know, Estonia is a very dark place in many ways. It's a very atheistic culture. It has a lot of legacy of the Soviet occupation there. And um, there's a lot of alcoholism, a lot of depression, a lot of suicide. Uh, You know, we have those problems here too, right? And uh, the darkness isn't just outside of us. It's also within us. There's times that we... You know, we fail, we we hurt people, and it can be really tempting to lose hope. But what I've found when I go through a dark night like that, and I think, you know, if we're all human, we've we've had a night like that where we, we're tempted to, to despair. It it only goes so far, you know. I, I can be tempted to think um you know, there's there's not enough light in this world to overcome the darkness. Yes, there's good things, yes there's happiness here and there, but you know, If you sum it all up, it's not enough. It's not enough to overcome all of the pain and all the ugliness in this world. And because of that, I'm really tempted to think, you know, because of that, nothing matters. Nothing matters. And I have my little temper tantrum. But something happens at that point. There's a pivot point. Because I know Christ, and I can look at him on the cross. And when I see Jesus on the cross, I can't say that anymore. I can't say that there's not enough light in this world to overcome the darkness because what he did in that one moment, that one act there was enough light and love in that to overcome it all for all time and because of that I have to say everything matters everything matters and so if, if I go through something like that and it means that much to me I think about all the people in this world that are in darkness who don't have that pivot point because they don't know about Christ on the cross. Nobody's told them or nobody's showing them. And so to me, I I just think to myself, what do I do with this? Well, I can't not be a part of taking that truth, that message to those dark places in this world. Because it's not just an idea that we agree with, you know, Jesus is the only hope of the world. That's the truth that people need to experience. So that's my moment. And I'm going to have that cross in the sanctuary at Colgata. I'm going to carry that with me, and I'm going to remember why Crick and Mindy are there. I'm going to remember why Beth, Ann and Barry are going there. And God willing, I'm going to to go back. I want to go back next year.
0: Yeah. Mission accomplished, messes people up, I'm telling you, uh, these experiences just do something in your soul. Walt and Jackie are uh, married, and but they went on different trips. Walt's uh, been a veteran on our Estonia trip, and Jackie's been a part of our uh, Guala trip this year. I'm going to have Walt share first, since we're bouncing off of Estonia. And uh, Walt, if you don't know this guy, he's, he's pretty amazing. He's a workhorse. Walt's like 75 or something years old. <laughs> no. But someday he would run circles around men half his age, and so, uh, and he's just amazing to have on the trip. So, Walt, tell us what God did for oh, you. Oh, it was
2: a it was such a great time. This is my third year going to Estonia, and uh, Jimmy said, "Yeah, I got three minutes." Well, she took five, so I'm taking five. <laughs> so, I really, I really admire this lady here. She was all over the camp. She was up and down the streets of the city. Uh, I just, I just praise the Lord for. For what what she, what she meant to me uh, on this trip uh, last year at the at the campfire just before we left uh, I met a I was talking to some little some young kids and uh, I met this young sixteen year old girl just out of uh, spur of the moment I talked to her and and uh, she said she was moving from Tallinn to Tartu uh, to live by herself and, and I said and so I just God spoke to my heart and said, you, you can't let her do that. So I went and I, I took her by the hand and led her over to, our, to the pastor of the church in, in Tartu that we work with. And I introduced him to her. And he said, uh, I'll, I'll take over now, Walt. And he just took over. And uh, this year, as we were having our coffee at the last, we, we always go to the coffee shop and, and uh, invite the kids that want to come. And, and we buy them coffee and cake and stuff. And we visit just before we leave. And I, I noticed a, a young girl over in a corner, and, and it was it was Yette. Yette is her name, uh, Yette Marie. And, and uh, I went over and I sat down and I talked with her. And God has done wonderful things through her life. Uh, she was she got connected with the church there with Pastor Leho. and now she's working with their their sister church that they're starting. And she just we talked for a half hour. It was just such a sweet thing, uh, the way God has moved. And then. This year, in, in the film there, you saw the little blonde-haired boy. Uh, God brought him into my life this year. Uh, and the other, other boy was with him, too. Uh, and and he, he said he didn't believe in God. And, uh, and by the time the, when we left, uh, I said to him, I said, uh, uh, Coit, uh, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying that you will trust Jesus as your Savior. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah so I got the same problem you have i got, I get all choked up when I think about god had God did such wonderful things this trip. i just i mean I was so amazed at how he worked. uh It rained every day at the at the, at the uh sailing camp, and one day it, we woke up it was raining, and we went to bed it was raining. It rained all day long that day uh but I was out. They had a big old zip line up there, and there was a bunch of kids out there by the zip line in the rain. So I put my clothes on and ran out there, and for two hours we were zip lining in the rain, just playing playing with the kids. And, and God uh, spoke to kids' hearts, and I was so I was so elated how that God worked out in. As we talked about it, Jimmy and I, and how that God worked out in left field. It wasn't it wasn't the you know, Run-of-the-mill, do, do 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 do. God did. Jimmy will tell you about the the girl that came from where was it from? from the uh, oh, yeah. From, yeah, but giant. You can say it. I can't. Okay. Anyway, uh, some a couple of young people came from down in Europe and they were just there. I mean, it, when when you hear that what God did for us this year, you got to get involved in this. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go back. God willing, I'm going back next year and the year after and the year after and the year after and, year after and forever as long as He allows it. So uh, I just encourage you uh, don't pass up a chance to let God do wonderful things in your life.
0: And Miss Jackie and her son, uh, their son Quinn, uh, also one of Quinn's 10. Uh, my daughter's 10 went. Uh, we had Callie Shear as well that went, Youngin. And uh, that adds a different element when you're taking little ones on your mission trips, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to see people working hard at not working. <laughs> um. Anyway, Jackie, tell us your story.
3: I was truly encouraged and blessed by the opportunity to go on this mission trip. We were there um, in Ponsetland the second day that we were at. We started down, and we were working in the morning at the church and in the afternoon at the the camp. And I'm kind of, I guess, OCD a little bit. So <laughs> we were in that room <laughs> cleaning. We were trying to get the place clean. And, um, you know, we tried to scrape this off and scrub this down. And I was becoming... Kind of a little frustrated because it seemed like we, it wasn't happening, you know. So I was I was becoming a little bit frustrated, and I was we were we were all working together trying to get these things done. And every time we got something complete, it seemed like wait a minute, there's so much more left to do. So um, we were at the pastor Mar- Mario's house, and and like the last evening, and they were talking about how God, you know, works through us and encouraged them. And it was so big for them. And it was like this big makeover for them. And that encouraged me so much. They were so thankful for the little bit of work that we did. And they were so overwhelmed and thankful that we were able to come and do that for them. And here I was sitting there worrying about, gosh, we didn't get anything done. We we hardly did, did a thing. And, I mean, I guess uh, maybe I was a little too self-focused and didn't even realize what it was until they spoke up and said how much it meant to them what we came down there and, and did. And it just encouraged me. And God tells us, you know, don't become weary in doing good. And I think I was becoming a little bit weary But that was a huge encouragement for me to continue because sometimes you just do something tiny and to you it seems very insignificant. But it's God that's working. It's really not you. He's using what you do. And when God is working, join him and he's going to do the great things. So you don't have to do something great. He will. It was a blessing for me.
0: All right. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. Shall we look into God's Word a little bit this morning? If you have your Bible, start at John chapter 4. All right, I got a little bit of time did tell him three minutes. What are you going to do? John chapter 4, uh, verse 1. We'll get into it in just a second. In Mexico, um, they like football, soccer, right? Um, and they're playing it a lot. It's, it's, it's a big deal. When we were there, Mexico had won a, a pretty big uh, tournament while we were down there against Jamaica, nonetheless. And uh, so you know soccer's a big deal, and if you've ever seen a soccer field, which I'm sure most of us have, there's, there's this big rectangular box that goes around the field, right and that's the, the boundary line all the way around the field. and if you kick the ball outside of that boundary line, it changes possession, right? because you're not supposed to kick the ball outside of the bounds now there's a whole bunch of lines inside the soccer field. Now I don't know what those are for at all. Uh, that's completely foreign to me. I have no idea, but these lines that are around the outside of the field, if you kick the ball out there you're out of bounds. You, give it to the other team, they throw it back in, keep playing. If you ever played volleyball, right? Lying around the court. We played a lot of volleyball in Estonia. Um, there was this one guy uh, named Henry. He was really tall, had long arms, and he was not on my team. And so he was he was fearsome, you know. He'd get up and he'd just, just crush the ball down. And it's great when you do that if it lands in bounds, right? But if he hits it, it doesn't matter. As hard as he hits it, if it goes out of bounds, it's, it's it's our point, not his point. And um, one day, now I'm telling you, please please don't read wrong into this. Mission trips are a lot of work. They are lots of stress, lots to do. But one day I got to go fishing um, with the, my host home uh, family. The guy is a big fisherman. We've talked for the last couple of years, and he's always wanted to take me out on his boat out onto Lake Pepsi. Not Pepsi, Pepsi. And this lake, it borders Russia. So it's kind of cool. But I really didn't want to spend the next few years of my life in a Russian prison because I'd caught an illegal Russian fish in Russian waters. So I said, Tono, please don't, let's let's stay away from the border. Which, when you're in the middle of the lake, where's the border, right? So you know, he's got his GPS, and we make sure we're in the right area because I don't want to spend the rest of my life in a Russian prison because I caught an illegal Russian fish. And so there was this boundary, right? So we want to stay inside the boundary because that's where it was safe and we were all good to go there. And boundaries are good. I'm a a big proponent of boundaries. I mean, there's boundaries in parenting, boundaries in marriage, boundaries in your work life. There's all kinds of great boundaries in life. But sometimes we put up some boundaries that are unnecessary and actually huge hindrances to the gospel. And in John chapter 4, Jesus obliterates some of these boundaries Uh, in this great story of how he ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well. So I want to read a little bit of this passage, John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 to start with. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus is baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea to return to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, You would ask me, and I would give you living water. So Jesus, he was in Judea. So here's our map. At the bottom of this map is Judea, a region uh, in Palestine there. And Jerusalem is in Judea. And then right above uh, Judea is the region of Samaria. And then above that is the region of of Galilee. So Jesus is down here in Samaria, and it said that he had to go to Galilee. He needed to get up to Galilee. And it said he had to go through Samaria. The problem is the Jews and the Samaritans, just they did not get along. They would trade with each other. They'd buy stuff from each other. But socially, they weren't friends on Facebook. They, they weren't getting along with each other. They weren't interacting together. It just wasn't part of the culture. They thought they, were, they had crazy religious beliefs. They thought they were half-breeds of the Jewish people. And there was just a lot of animosity. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Why the story of the Good Samaritan is so impactful is because it's the Samaritan guy that stops to help the Jewish guy that's on the road that all the other religious Jewish leaders had passed up. But the Samaritan, the dog, the half-breed, had stopped to help the the Jewish person. That's why that story is so impactful. And Jesus here has to go from this area of, of, of Judea up to Galilee. And most of the time what Jewish people would do is they would go around Samaria to get up to Galilee. Like an extra three or four days journey. It wasn't like they hopped the bus, right? This was walking, this was on camels. but they would go out of their way to not even step foot into Samaria because these people were enemies, so to speak. There was a lot of animosity, a lot of cultural strife. And you just didn't, if you were Jewish, you just didn't have these conversations with, with Samaritans. wasn't the thing to do. Jesus says, hey, disciples, we've got to get from Judea up to Galilee, but listen, we've got to go through Samaria. Wait, 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 Jesus, you know there's another road that goes around, right? It kind of goes around the side. there. It'll take us a little bit longer. Jesus said, no, we've we got to go through Samaria. So they start out on their journey. They get to uh, Sychar here, and Jesus says, I need a little bit of a break. And the disciples say, hey, we'll go get some food. We'll be right back, and we'll get out of here. And Jesus is meeting here at the well, and this Samaritan woman comes along. And they begin to have an exchange, a dialogue. And Jesus begins to minister to her. If you look at the next several verses, Jesus goes to the great passage of that I'm the living water, right? He tells her that uh, all these things about her life that no one else would know. And Jesus speaks into her heart, and, and she realizes that she's speaking to someone important. She begins to realize that this is the Messiah. Jesus ministers to her at the well. Disciples come back, and they see Jesus, not just taking a break, but he's talking to one of these people. And I think they said, Jesus, hey, hey, look, we got some food. Let's eat. Let's get out of here. We got ministry to do in Galilee. We we need to get on out of here. I don't know what you're thinking talking to this lady, but we need to get out of here because we got ministry to do in Galilee. And so at this time, as the disciples come back, they don't say anything to Jesus right off. You know, I think they're kind of looking at him kind of crazy because Jesus is breaking all the rules here. He's completely out of bounds. Jesus, you're out of bounds. This doesn't count because we're not supposed to be doing this. We shouldn't even be here. We should have walked the other way around. We shouldn't even be here. And and now you're talking to a Samaritan. You're having a conversation with him like they're your friend or something. And not to mention you're talking to a woman. Now, listen, that's not me speaking here. That's just the culture of the day. Men and women just didn't have those kind of conversations. It was a different era. So Jesus is breaking all the rules here to talk to this very important Samaritan woman at the well. Look at verses 27. Just as then his disciples arrived, they were astonished to find him talking to a woman, but none of them asked him why he was doing it or what they had been discussing. The woman left her water jar beside the well and went back to the village and told everyone, Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, eat. No, he said, I have food that you don't know about. Jesus, let's eat and get out of here. Let's go. We've got ministry to do in Galilee. He said, no, I have food you don't know about. Verse 33, who brought it to him? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing I blame Stephanie. (laughs) My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Who sent me and from finishing his work? Do you think the work of harvesting? Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends? Do you think the harvest won't begin until we get to Galilee? Look around you. Fast are the fields, ripening all around us, and they are ready for the harvest. Jesus looks at his disciples. Guys, food's not what's important right now. Making it to our next destination. I brought you out of bounds here because there's important work to do. And if we were too busy, taking extra time to go the easy way, Get on up to where we should be doing ministry. You'd miss this. Can't you guys just see I just talked to one woman and she went and told her whole village about us, about me? Wouldn't have happened, guys, if, if, uh, if we'd have gone the long way. Wouldn't have happened if we didn't break through some cultural barriers. Wouldn't have happened if we didn't take a risk. But here, in this place, the fields are white. They're ready. And it says that the village came out to see Jesus. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came to see him, they begged him to stay at their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many of them to hear his message and believe. And then they, they said to the woman, now we believe because we have heard from him ourselves, not just because of what you have told us. He is indeed the Savior of the world. And I think all too often, church, we put up our barriers. We put up our bubble. We make the excuses of why and where and when we can share the gospel. Some of us have a bubble around our, our own house. I'm good I have my kids go to Sunday school. I'm good to, to have them. In church and it's good we're going to pray at our house we're going to pray around our table but there's a big old imaginary wall that i have put up between me and my neighbor or me and my community you can't do this in, in stapleton it's just just too much xyz this isn't going to work here we can't do that right now we don't even have leadership right now we can't we can't possibly move forward Jesus said, when you go into these areas that are out of bounds, that's when I want to show up. That's when I've got great things in store. Because it proves it's about me and not about you. It's about the kingdom. It's about God and his word. And he shows up to do a great and mighty thing. And listen, I get passionate about mission trips. I get very excited about cross-cultural ministry. Something I love to do, something I love to experience. I'm sort of addicted to it, if you will. Um, And I love what it does in the lives of the people that get to experience that. And you don't all get to go. So you get to hear me talk about it and hear me share some of the things about it. But we don't have to go to another culture. We don't have to go to another country. We don't have to go to another city to get outside of the boundaries that we've created for the gospel. And I hope you're with me. I hope as a church that we take the hand we've been dealt, the situation that we're in, the things that are in front of us, and break through the boundaries to seeing people come to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't see. If you can't see that Satan is against this place, if you can't see that the enemy is out to seek and destroy. We're not unique as a church who's going through difficulties. We're not. We may not even be unique in how we respond and go forward in these these circumstances. There's great stories of recovery and things like that. But we can be unique in how we see ourselves as called by God to continue the ministry, to break through barriers, to help people find Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the nutshell. That's where it's at. It's about Jesus. It's not about our programs. It's not about the great facility we have. It's not about all the extra. It's about Jesus. And if we find ourselves taking the easy road all the time, if we find ourselves putting up barriers and saying we can't because of this, we can't because of that, we're going to miss the harvest waiting for us, it's waiting for this church it's waiting for us to invest in I hope you're with me I hope you're with our leadership I hope you're with this place, I hope you're with Jesus and listen, if you don't know about Jesus say, man, these people are pretty crazy they kind of like that guy here and you want to know a little bit more about him we'd love to have that conversation with you he wants to give you that living water it's there for you In your notes, if we're going to reach the people who are unreached, we are going to have to go to the places no one is going and do the things that no one is doing. That's interesting. Why aren't those people reached? Because no one's going to them. No one's doing the things that are necessary to see them come to the knowledge of Jesus. And all it might mean is just walking across an imaginary boundary You know, I always say that, you know, whether or not we go on these trips, God can still do a work, obviously. He doesn't need us to go to Estonia. He doesn't need us to go to Lan. But I also look back and I see the connections that happen. And I wonder, just sometimes I wonder, like, if we weren't here. If we hadn't come, would that connection have been made? I tell you right now, if Stapleton Fellowship Church didn't exist here, there'd be a void in this community. There'd be more people that didn't know about Jesus. And we need to take our job seriously.
2: We need to take our calling seriously. And follow Jesus wherever he calls us.